the Spud Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. He calls to you who, the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's woo, Spud, Spud Goodman. Greetings, and our Ola. I am, for the record, Spud Goodman. Spud <laughs> <The> man. <laughs> You're about to hear a 100% FDA approved radio show. Well, okay. Maybe it's, it's not really approved by an actual government agency, but I know, you know it would be approved by at least a volunteer citizen group that passes judgment on what shows are worthy and, and what shows should be put to sleep. So with that assumption, um, let's get this program started. Please say hello to our show's designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Give us a state-of-the-art laugh, if you would. Oh, oh. <laughs> Oh, that was pretty good, don't you think? Yeah, it was It was kind of good. Huh? Not your all-time best, but, you know, more than adequate. Well, okay, but still pretty damn good. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Um, and now I'm ordered to introduce our show's temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Uh, you have my permission to acknowledge my acknowledgement, but please, you know, we go through this over and over again, and you're always rebelling. Uh, well. but just do so in a very brief and succinct fashion. Can you do this? Why, yes, I can, Spud. Hello, everyone. I okay, am... Okay, good job. Good job. Well, so I what did, I uh, wanted to discuss on the show was that darn issue of lousy Wi-Fi connections. Because uh, when I tried Spud, to... uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we, uh, or Chance, wanted to ask you something. And I thought it would what? be a nice touch to share it with our listeners, as there seems to be the misconception out there that my sweetie has an innate sense of hate towards you. And that yeah, is not. I, I have picked that up over But a no, of that's time. not true. What I've read on the show's message board concerns me, as he is not a hater. Well, why didn't you say so? It's okay, Dorothy. I told you I would speak with Spud. But wouldn't it be better if we did this in private, off the air? Oh, I think it would set the record straight if you did this publicly. You will need Spud as a reference for future employment. Besides me, who else is going to write you a letter of reference? You know, I would be happy to write Chance a letter of reference, though I don't know him well outside this studio. Chance... Can I ask if you attend church regularly? No Bible stories for you tonight. I mean, I, I'm not judging, but it gives me a point of reference in determining your character. I don't want to mislead potential employers. Yeah, I won't be needing a letter of recommendation from you, Gerald. Chance, oh. Chance, go ahead and ask him. I think this will surprise the listeners. Ask him. And you should make it clear to Spud this is not a quid pro quo situation. There are no strings attached, regardless of his response. Do I really have to do this? 
You don't have to, but it's a smart thing to do, honey. And it only makes common sense. And it would maybe heal the rift between you two. Okay, okay. Spud, it would mean a lot if you were my best man at our wedding. Um, There, I said it, Dorothy. Okay. It's not for a year or so, but I guess the groom has to ask right away so you give the guy enough time to plan for it. I'm learning there's a lot of stuff to do with a wedding. Wait, what? You're, you're asking me to be your best man? I guess because it was strongly recommended by someone I love dearly. We, or Chance, felt it would be a nice touch for our wedding as it will be a small gathering. Just a few people. But but of course you will be there, right? Well, you know, I, I do need to clear the date. I, a year away is still not that much notice. But I'll... Let me see. Let me see if I can make it off to get back I to you. I think that this is your way of telling me something. You know, I would be proud to serve as a groomsman, Chance. I have quite a bit of experience as the Holcombs are a very large extended family, and I have served in all capacities at weddings. I don't think I'll be having groomsmen, so that won't be necessary. The plan is to have a judge handle the ceremony at the courthouse. And from what I've heard, the room where they do these ceremonies is quite intimate. There might not be enough room for everyone that wants to attend, so there will be some upset friends and family members. You don't think I feel bad that I invited all these people to this huge wedding and flew everyone out. I wasted everyone's time. Yeah, I totally get it, Aunt Dorothy. If I'm going to be a best man, I don't want to be cramped into some small room with a bunch of other people. I have claustrophobia. You know that. You know, but I I am part of the show, and I I just thought it would make sense for me to be there. You know, I don't want to, like, really sound stupid when I do this (laughs) show today. Please accept our apologies, Gerald. But we might live stream it on Facebook, as Chance said he could set up his iPhone in the room. Yeah, dude, be happy. You know, you'll be a a kind of a wedding participant through the kindness of Mark Zuckerberg. I don't know. Uh, I can't guarantee the service will be streamed. I have an iPhone 5. It was my grandmother's phone, and she gave it to my older sister. And then Joni gave it to me a couple years ago. So just a heads up, because it's always acting up. Okay. Well, you know, we can talk about this later as I need to play some music right now. Um, here, here's a, a song from, like, way back, a, a, a classic from Barbara Pittman, who was a trailblazer in rockabilly and one of the first women uh, to ever record at the legendary Sun Studios in Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah, shout out to uh, Radio Memphis. Here is I Need a Man. Hit it. Well, I need a man.
long-term goals, uh, President King, uh, I mean, you no, can do anything. anything? Just, just want to keep it going. Have a good right. time. Thank nice you Nice seeing much. you, my friend. Be good. All right. I guess I'll have to wait to the next book tour, like for the art of alimony, to check out prenuptial agreements. This is the Spud Goodman Show. Hey, uh, Spud, your yeah. first guest, Hill Harper, is holding for you. Uh, hey, should I Google him so that I, I, I'm more familiar with him? You've never seen his old show, CSI New York? I thought you always watched CSI. Yeah, you know, my wife and I are not really New York City people. It's too big, and, and really, it's a bit too liberal. We watch CSI Las Vegas. You know, uh, Marie Osmond performs there year-round. It's no Branson, but it's okay. Shut up. CBS did a show in New York instead of one, say, set in Cheyenne, Wyoming, as there were only so many cases of cattle wrestling they could do. It wouldn't fill up a season. And that's important. You know, Hill has a, a show uh, on ABC now, The Good Doctor. It's really popular. Um, this guy knows how to pick projects. He was on Homeland, too, uh, but, you know, if, if you ever caught it. but it, No, but, uh, you know, I do enjoy shows about doctors, except those with too many sex acts, like that uh, Grey's Anatomy show. All they do is sleep with each other. Well, you kind of got to give the people what they want, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's called ratings. I, hey, hey, my my uh, voice is starting to crack a little bit. I noticed um, that, yeah. Yeah, it, it kind of comes and goes. So uh, let, me, let me just take a swig of this cough syrup. Yeah. All right, let's just put Hill Better? through. Okay, right, here he is. Say hello to actor and author Hill Harper. We appreciate you taking the time to check in with us. Thanks so much. It's great to be on. I, I have a... A deep connection to Seattle, so uh, so it's, I'm happy to be on. Super. Well, you co-star in the ABC series The Good Doctor, airing Mondays at 10, 9 central. You play Dr. Marcus Anderson. You run the hospital, right? You are the head guy. How did you prepare for the role, and did you hang out much with hospital administrators? Oh, <laughs> well, you know, I hung out a lot with hospital administrators as well as surgeons because uh, Dr. Marcus Anderson, he's, he's the surgeon as well as He's the chief of surgery as well as the president. So it's kind of a dual role, which is pretty amazing. And, and he's also the antagonist on the show. You know, he's the character that doesn't treat the lead, Dr. Sean Murphy, uh, as, let's say, as nicely as people would want. And, and so um, spending time in a lot of surgeries and operating rooms um, because my character has to do a number of, of, of operations on the show. So making sure we get to dial that in correctly was important for the research, as well as just talking about the hospitals. What was incredible is the hospitals are like a microcosm of the world. You know, there are people who are different levels on the so-called hierarchy. There are people that are trying to get serviced as well as, as work and all, all these different things. And so it's really wonderful. I think that's why people like the show so much. Right. Well, you know, we had your co-star, Freddie Highmore, on a couple of years ago. He's pretty young to be a master surgeon. You know, I, I know some people develop earlier than others, but it, it might freak me out looking up at him in the middle of having my spleen or something else taken out. Right. Well, that's why he's a resident. He's not a master surgeon yet. He's, he's a resident. Oh, and he's going, through oh. the pro he's going through the process. And what, what, what you bring up is so interesting is that this season, since they're their third this is our third season this is their third year residence this is when they start getting their chance to do the, lead their own surgery so they haven't even led a surgery yet right so this is this season is when 
he, you know, he has to start dealing with the idea of leading a surgery, which is fascinating because if you're supporting someone in the operating room, that's one thing, but actually being the lead surgeon is a whole different level of responsibility. And we go into that this season. All right. All right. Super. Well, in addition to your work as a medical professional on shows like uh, CSI New York and CSI Miami, you also have gone all in on shows in the field of counterintelligence like Homeland and Covert Affairs. What job would you find more satisfying, being a doctor or a spy? Ooh. You know, I was a spy on Covert Affairs, and we, we shot that all over the world. You know, we shot in Hong Kong, we shot in Vienna, we shot in Colombia. Um, I love that, and it's probably because I love traveling. So I think, you know, being able to travel and do espionage around the world and, 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 and doing that would be would be my favorite because I just I love covert affairs and doing that. But the but at the end of the day, for me, just to be honest as an actor, I'm so proud at you know and happy as an actor. The the end of the day, it's about the writing for me. You know, so wh- whatever show I'm doing or whatever character I'm playing, if the writing is great, it's great, and that's why The Good Doctor is so fantastic because David Shore, who wrote House, writes The Good Doctor, and, and he's just one of the best writers in television. Right. Well. Let me hit you with one more CSI-related question, because after all those years on CSI, do you feel you have, like, a firm grasp on the human body and how many ways one can be murdered? I mean, you've seen it all by now, right? <laughs> you know, I did 197 episodes of CSI playing uh, the forensic pathologist slash CSI, Dr. Sheldon Hawks, and I have to tell you, I think I literally know how to, I would know how to, 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 to commit the perfect crime that would be completely unnoticeable because I worked with so many forensic specialists. They taught me so much. It's incredible. And uh, we had such a good time. But but the, 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 what those guys do, they are heroes. You know, right. we, you know, we had real, real ones working with us and what they're able to uncover, the evidence they're able to find is just incredible. And so I joke, I don't think there is the perfect crime because these guys are so good they'll find you and you know these this day and age they'll figure it out um but they did teach me a number of ways that make it very difficult to detect and let's just say i, I actually i i don't want to say because i don't want to give anybody any clues as to what they should do just in see just in case they're thinking of a nefarious activity Good call. Very good call. All right. Well, let me let me ask you this. You're also an author. You've written, what, six books. Does, does writing give you more joy than performing? Because I know you miss out on, on craft services, pounding away all alone on your computer, yes. writing those books. No free bagels or fresh fruit in the morning or a nice quiche no, for lunch. You know, it's actually the, yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, writing is probably the most arduous, difficult, painful thing I've ever done. It's almost like you're self-inflicting harm because... Right, you're never finished. You know, when I have to turn in my books or if I turn in something, I'm writing a script right now, actually, my first feature film. Wow. You know, it's, it's painful because you're just doing rewrites and rewrites, and it's never done. It's never good enough. You beat yourself up. It is a horrible experience. But at the end of the day, it's one of the most gratifying because as an actor, you're saying other people's words. But as a writer, you're writing the words, you're controlling the narrative. And so it's just two different sides of your brain. Um, I, if you're talking about pure joy, I certainly enjoy performing. It's, you know, the best part of performance, you know, live performance. I did a play in New York uh, 
last summer, and it was just, I love doing theater, I love doing my TV show. Um, so the fun is that, but writing is not fun, but writing is necessary. And that's the right. way I see it, you know, and right. it's also legacy. You know, you you perform something once, but if you write something, it's in a book, it's there forever. You know, 500 years from now, some young guy could pick up one of my books and hopefully be inspired to change the world. So that, that's the goal there. Well, speaking of changing the world, let me hit you with this. You graduated from the Harvard Law School in 92 as Barack Obama was editor of the Law Review. Uh, did you cross paths much? Did he haze you at all or... He didn't haze me. We were very good friends. We played a lot of basketball together. Oh, you know? cool. Um, and we had a, a, a very good time, mutual respect. And he, he was a, a wonderful student, a great student leader uh, there. And, and, you know, we were classmates and friends. It was great, great going to school with him. All right, super. Uh, Spud. What? what? Can I ask if you pressured our executive producer to book Hill, given that he went to college with Obama, why don't you book any guests that went to college with Donald Trump? You know, let's be fair and balanced. Uh, Hill, just just a sec. What? Do you, do you really think Trump had any real friends in college? Like I've said before, this guy has never had a pet in his life. I know. What makes you think he's ever had a human friend? He... He has business associates and personal fixers, but like a best friend, no way. Gerald, he's a transactional, quid pro quo kind of guy. If you can do him a favor, he will be buddies with you. At least until the favor is done, ask the Ukrainian president about that. All right, well, I'm sure there were some guys in college who spent time with our current commander-in-chief. You know, maybe they went fishing or, or uh, possibly... Uh, played frisbee with him. You should check and get them on this show to prove that he's not, as you say, a horrible person who repulses people. Well, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure he could have rented some friends, or, but, but but I'm not booking them on the show. Okay, well, that's that's a fact. Now, let me get back to Hill so I can finish this up. All right, I, I have returned. Thank you. I'm just curious, how come you haven't played a lawyer on TV? You could give the showrunners tips on, you know, how to, how to, you know, handle the situation. You could get something out of that expensive degree. You know what? It's amazing you say that. I just never have, and I don't know why I haven't. Never played lawyer. The thing on Homeland, I did play the chief of staff to the president-elect, which right. is, you know, closer to my, my degree from the Kennedy School of Government. So that's the one thing that... It is, but I, you know, I get cast most. You know, if you look at my career, I play doctors most of the time. I know, which, which is totally fine. Both of my parents were physicians. Uh, my father was a psychiatrist, and my mom an anesthesiologist. Oh. So maybe that's why. Maybe this comes to me naturally. Um, the whole medical idea or profession. All right, super. Well, I know you got to go, so let me say again, your ABC series, The Good Doctor, airs Monday nights at 10, 9 central. Hey, thank you so very much for checking in with us. Thank you. I know it comes uh, you know, it comes on late for some people. DVR the season, watch it, and, and on my social media, I'm always talking to people. It's at Hill Harper. I'm talking to people about the show, so please engage. Um, and just thanks for supporting the show. We were named the number one show in the world over the summer. We're, we're very proud, and I think this season, season three, is the best yet. So thanks so much. Thank you, Mr. Hill Harper. There's still more fun and excitement in store in the second half of the Spud Goodman Radio Show right after this brief intermission. 
are down north, baby. We on the Spike Goodman Show. And we all scared of robots, baby. <laughs> Woo! They come to get our jobs. Oh! You can't work. You don't eat. If I can't work. We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. So getting back to this best man deal, just what does it entail? I, I've never been one. F -f Frankly, I, I thought I'd get through life without ever having to take on this responsibility. It smells really good. Well, you don't have to accept if you don't feel up to it. I gave my word that I would ask you, and if you can't do it, then I would accept it and... No, I, I didn't say for sure I couldn't do it. I, I just need some time to think it over. Well, I, for one, would be more than happy to step up and be your best man if Spud can't make it. I, I just wanted to put that out there. What's with you, Johan? Well, thanks, Gerald, but that won't be necessary. I don't think there's a statute that says there has to be a best man at a wedding ceremony. No, but it would be sad if you couldn't fill that role for our special day. I know you're somewhat limited in your options on this, but I do appreciate you making your best effort. Uh, Chance, did you only pick me because you had no other options? That would take some of the luster off your invitation. Was I your only Frickin' option? Well, what is the question? Well, well, it depends. I thought I had a couple other possibilities, but things didn't pan out. Don't most guys ask their best friend to do this? Did, did your best friend blow you off? I mean, you, you, you do have a best friend, right? Come on. Uh, I used to have a sort of best friend, but that was in my sophomore year in high school. He kind of moved on from me in junior year. I think he found his first girlfriend. Oh. They're in Spanish class together, and after a couple weeks, he pretty much ghosted me. Yeah. Girls can do that to someone. Shut up and dribble. I think Chance spent the majority of his time with his personal interests and didn't invest in cultivating friendships. It's something he's working on now, but... There's not enough time before the wedding for him to establish a relationship with a potential best friend. Yeah. So I, or we, thought it would be a sensible choice as it's time for the both of you to bury the hatchet and move forward. I don't think so. You know, I know our listeners are already aware of this, but I have never had a contentious relationship with Chance. We get along really well. So if for any reason there comes a time where a compromise has to be made, I stand ready to fill in. I would love to be the healing factor that could return harmony to this radio studio. Um, um, you suck! Again... That won't be necessary, Gerald. Well, you don't know. I should say that my father would, of course, be my first choice, but if we do our wedding in the fall, he won't be able to make it. He's a big duck hunter, and that takes up most of his time. Really? My dad and I are very close, and we share a lot of interests except for duck hunting. I think that's a disgusting activity, and we've had many long yeah. and rather intense discussions on that hobby of his. Hunting is a natural activity for men, Chance. It goes way back to the dawn of creation some 6,000 years ago. Right. I know Adam enjoyed apples and other high-fiber vegetables, but 
I'm sure he also dined on duck and deer, too. I don't want any damn vegetables. Uh, if his dad is hungry, then, then he can go through the, the KFC drive-thru. I, I've never been to one. Do, do they serve duck there? I'm sure they do. But anyway, just And please, do not continue with that lame, the earth is 6,000 years old deal. I mean, you, you slip that in whenever you can. Well, yeah, because it's true. It's written if you took the time to read it. And no, I don't believe KFC serves duck. Look, alternative facts are not facts. Uh, Chance, just... Keep me in mind if the position can't be filled. Uh, listen, Mr. Kissass, it's over me? and you'll never be Chance's best man, okay? Just, yes, that is a fact. I know this. Well... So, Aunt Dorothy, as my only living aunt, I, I will take this request seriously. And if I can squeeze this thing in, I will do so. Thank you, dear. Yeah, so right now, uh, why don't you, uh, Mr. Temporary co-host, see if our next guest is ready to go. Yeah, and it's temporary, permanent co-host. And, uh, Spud, I'm being told by the board that your next guest, Dietrich Bader, is waiting on the line to speak with you. You know, I know Dietrich is one of your favorite guests. Yes, but, he is. You know, it would be nice if maybe one of my favorite actors could be booked as a guest sometime, too. Hell no, you can't! Uh, don't tell me you're referring to Tom Selleck, right? Mr. Reverse Mortgage himself. Not gonna happen. Oh, but he is hot. That mustache still makes my knees weak. Spud, you still have never seen Blue Bloods. It's an awesome show. Tom would be a great guest. That mustache, I'm going to be honest with you, and I, I don't know if I've shared this, it, it, it really, it scares the hell out of me, oh, Aunt brother. Dorothy. It's just too darn bushy. He looks way, way too Cro-Magnon-esque. Oh, no, no. Tom is a very manly actor. I, I know you prefer those men who are a bit more uh, fluid, as they say, in their sexuality. You know what I mean! And just put Diedrich through, and please refrain from your, you know, pushing your guest ideas on the air. Limit your input well, to the staff meetings, you know, when I have my earbuds on. Very well. Here's Diedrich. But I will be bringing up Tom again with our executive producer. Welcome back to the show, one of our all-time favorite guests, Mr. Diedrich Bader, or Potter, you know, if one wants to go there. Um, thanks so very much for doing this one more time. But thank you for having me back. I really appreciate it. Yeah, your very popular TV show, American Housewife, which airs Fridays at 8 p.m. 7 Central, is back for season four, right? Woohoo! Yeah, and it's our best season yet. All right. Well, I got to ask you, so... Will you still be married to the super talented Katie Mixon's character, or is that like a separation or a divorce in the cards for your character, Greg? Because stuff like that happens in real life. I can attest to that. Oh, no, no, no. We're going to stick together until uh, Katie Mixon's character kills uh, Greg. Oh. He loves uh, Katie desperately. That's one of the things I really love about the show. Uh, unlike a lot of other TV shows that represent families, um, this couple, they really love each other. They're still really into each other. They're very romantic with each other. Oh. Um, you know, obviously they have fights like any other couple, but they really love each yeah. other and they love their kids. And, um, and Greg, listen, you know, when you look for a part, I was, I really wanted to play a dad that loved his kids and was not trying to duck out and be with his friends or go golfing or do whatever. And this, 
you know, kind of fell in my lap, and it's, it's a dream part for me. All right, super. Well, the Otto family is presented as, as not really fitting in with their fellow upscale community members in Connecticut. Uh, we're, they're, they're, they're a bit snobby. Have you ever experienced some of this living in L.A.? I'm not familiar with your neighborhood, but I know you have a really normal family uh, and your family life. So has there been a slight clash of cultures out there? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, like any affluent community, Los Angeles always judges you. And so you feel judged. You always feel less than. I mean, one of the things about the Hollywood is that there's a hierarchy, and that no matter how big a star you think you are, there's always somebody bigger, you know. Um, wow. So it keeps you in your in your place, that's for sure. But yeah, people judge you um, all the time, um, and it's tough, you know. Uh, it's it, it's it's not easy. So I think a lot of people can associate with that. Like they always feel like people are judging them, and in, in our case, in the auto family case of moving to Westport in a town that they really can't afford. They are being judged. All right, so it never goes away, no matter where you're at. So, all right, that's good. That's the- no. I think it's I think it's human nature. You know, you. Um, I think if you feel entirely self confident all the time, you never have a moment of doubt. You never have a feeling like you're a fraud. You never feel like people are better than you. You're probably a psychopath. Oh yeah. Well. Ooh. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> you know uh, yeah, I, 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 I hit close to home. All right. Well, you know, <laughs> uh, Spud. If I may, that psychopath word that Diedrich just mentioned. Yeah. Well, you know, my wife, Rachel, and I have tossed that term around in discussing you, especially on this show. Off the air, you're a little more sane, but but still, you seem to fit what the dictionary describes the word psychopath means. Hey, hey, Diedrich, I need a brief moment here. Wait, 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 Spud. I am not a psychopath, okay? I, I'm so tired of hearing that diagnosis. Well, Going back to my preschool years, people would tag me with that, and it's just not accurate. I do have a like a, at least a sort of conscience, and you know, I went to parochial school for, for a while, so nice try, but that's just not me. Oh, I would agree with your assessment, Spud. In my opinion, you would be a sociopath. You have blended into society to a degree where a true psychopath just never fits in and sticks out like a sore thumb. Thank you, Aunt Dorothy. You know, I I think. Okay. Listen, only a psychopath would watch some of the TV shows that you tune into. They're just not appropriate. Uh, Like that American Horror Story. Yeah, I watch it, you know, sometimes with, you know, my hands over my eyes, uh, but it's not one of my favorites. Can I just get back to Diedrich, if you don't mind? Okay, I, I have returned. Yeah, okay. Uh, on this show, we're, we're kicking around the topic of being a best man. Now, I, I've been asked to serve in this capacity, sort of asked, uh, for the first time. Have you ever done this? Yes, I was the best man for my brother's wedding. For, for whose? My brother. Your brother, Okay. Um, well, what kind of responsibilities uh, did you have to take on? Because I'm not real good with follow-through myself. Is, was it tough? Yeah, okay. So the responsibilities of the best man basically include, like, taking, uh, you know, you, uh, you organize a bachelor party and make sure that the groom isn't too hungover the next day. Right. Now they do, like, bachelor parties way in advance, so you can do that, depending on who's going to be, you know, part of the wedding party or who the groom wants right. to invite to the party. Right. Um, you got to get them, you know, loaded but not too loaded. Um, so okay. that he makes sure that he has a good time. And right. also, you got to keep people moving along at the party. Like, there's a greeting line where they greet, you know, the husband and what the new husband and wife. 
And you got to keep that line moving. Keep it moving. Keep it Remedy moving. is best. Keep that was moving. my biggest quote. Okay, all right. Um, and keep like some um, like a leave or uh, some Tylenol handy for the for the next yeah for the next day. Uh, that's obvious. So. Yeah, not Tylenol, not Tylenol. Oh, okay. Tylenol is bad for hangovers. All right, all right, all right. I already wrote that down too. All right, etc. Etc. All right. So you know we've discussed previously when you're on the show that you're a master. Add voices. That's my opinion. Um, okay. I know you're modest, but you know, doing a billion of them uh, on animated shows over the years, I was just curious: is there one character that like purposely grates on others that y- you know, an-, an annoying character? And if so, could you do a couple words because our listeners really enjoy that kind of thing? Um, well, I was Guy Gardner um, and uh, on uh, um, on Green Lantern. Oh. And he irritated a lot of people just because he was so pompous. And yeah, he had a thing like this where he just sort of teased you all the time and made you feel bad about yourself. It was like, you know, one of those guys. Oh, yeah. All right. Super. All right. Um, well, let's take a look back at your career, okay? This is, uh, I'm going to step back uh, a few years, like way back, like say 1993 in the Beverly Hillbillies movie. You courageously took on the dual roles of dual roles of like Jethro and Jethreen Bodine, uh, a very important yeah. character to all of us who were fans of the TV show. How tough was it mentally to stay in character on the set with the two roles? Because I'm guessing it was challenging to say the least. Oh, no, it was fun. I mean, you know, once you put a costume on um, and you don't, you should know the character by that point. So once you put a costume on and just look at yourself in the mirror, you are that person. Um, Jethreen was really fun to play because I got to do a lot of fun uh, physical bits. Like, I picked up Rob uh, Schneider and danced with him, which is a little tough in three-inch heels. But, uh, yeah. but other than that, no, that was super fun. Um, I learned a lot about, like, what women deal with on a regular basis, like heels and grass. And, right. Um, how to uh, handle uh, long nails, stuff like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I learned a lot. I'll say that. And Jethro was a really fun character to play, too. Just a sweet boy. Yeah, Max Bear Jr. was, I mean, he just he just killed it every time. I watched the show for him, I, but eh, you did a great job. Let's just say it. All right, all right. Uh, Thanks, hey, bud. Yeah, I, I know you have stuff to do, so I'm going to stop bugging you. You probably, and this is just a guess, you probably have like a really thick book to read or maybe a podcast about, you know, like a do-over on the theory of real, relativity to listen to because you're really, really smart, so I'm going to let you go. But let me say again <laughs> that your ABC series American Housewife airs Fridays at 8, 7 Central, Thank you for spending a few moments with us. I know I always learn something from speaking with you. Oh, thanks, bud. There you have it, Mr. Diedrich Bader. Spud Goodman to Anulo. Spud Goodman to Anulo. All right, time for some more music. This is one of my favorite old-school rap tunes. It's by Dell, the funky homo sapien. Here is Mr. Dabalina. Roll it. Oh. I know I'm drunk now. Ladies and gentlemen, I I forgot my favorite man sitting over there. His name is... Mr. Dabalina, Mr. Bob Dabalina. Mr. Dabalina, Mr. Bob Dabalina. Mr. Dabalina, Mr. Bob Dabalina. Mr. Mr. Dabalina, Mr. Bob Dabalina. 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 Mr. Bob Dabalina, won't you quit? You really make me sick with 
your fraudulent behavior. You're gonna make me flip and then an army couldn't save you. Why don't you behave, you little rug rat? Take a little tip from the tabloid. Because I know I'm not paranoid. When I say I saw you trying to mock me, now you and your crew are on a mission trying to hawk me. But it isn't happening, you fraudulent foes. You used to front big time, now I suppose that everything's cool since the style of apparel you adopted. You used to make fun of, but now you wanna rock it. So you gotta kick it with the homies. But DEL is already hip to your cronies. Me and CMP thought about this, and never have we seen a brother who would ever like Mr. 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 Dabalina. Just is not the key, Dabalina. It's all in the mind and the heart, so you should start by remembering you gotta pay a fee, Dabalina. Spud, 
Yeah. Your last guest, Hayes MacArthur, is good to go on the line. Uh, do you want me to put him through? Well, what's the alternative? Keep him holding for a few hours? You know, when well, you're like at home eating a sandwich or something? Would that be a good time to put the call through? Yeah. If you could just go ahead and make sure you do that from now on, that would be great. No, I, I, I was just saying oh, that... Oh, you have so little to do on this show, Gerald. No. You would think you could handle this simple task. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. Well, I was not sure if Spud was ready. And I Look, was... I was born ready. I could do an interview while under, you know, undergoing gallbladder surgery or something. I have this innate skill of never losing focus. You know, unless I'm bored, then that's another story. So, sh should I put Hayes through now? Yes, put the damn call through. Here he is. Say hello to actor, comedian Hayes MacArthur. Thanks for calling into our show. Hey, no problem. Yeah, so uh, you have a new series, Mr. Mom, currently streaming on Vudu. Now, this is a small screen production of the John Hughes film, and you play the role Michael Keaton did. It was a pretty successful movie, so the bar's set. Were there any major creative changes in this version? You know, we actually um, we d decided to set the series as if the little girl in the movie who played uh, the, the daughter of Terry Garr and Michael Keaton, she's all grown up now. She's married, and she's decided to kind of get her job back and go back into the workforce with, with a five-year-old and a three-year-old. Huh. And now it's uh, it kind of fell on my uh, character's head, Greg, to to fill the shoes of uh, Mr. Mom. Oh, super. All right. Well, I got to say this. I, I'm a fan of your TNT series, Angie Tribeca. Uh, one of the funnier series aired on cable the last few years. I will miss it. <laughs> Not happy with the cancellation. And But anyway, here's my question. Uh, you know, with the timing necessary to pull off the sight and physical gags in the show, was production a bit more demanding than like on other sitcoms you've worked on? The, the really fun thing about Angie Tribeca was there was uh, good jokes on the page, but it was kind of a little bit like Naked Gun and, and Airplane, yep. where there were a lot of uh, physical gags and we would do stunts and, you know, have certain pratfalls or, or, or puns or, or explosions or <laughs> like a bunch of weirdness. And we'd show up each day and call it a job. Yeah, I mean, I, I, was, was, I mean was a day longer on the set with, with that show than other sitcoms? I gotta believe. I mean, I, some of that stuff I would think would took a little bit of time for setup and everything. Yeah, they did. Um, they did a great job setting up the gags in that show, and it was uh, it was longer than you know shooting something that didn't require a lot of setup because we had huge, you know, we'd shoot kind of in the like in the inside of an airplane, or we'd be doing uh, stunts in traffic or have explosions. So that that took a, a long time because the show treated that almost like we were doing a drama, except of course everything was like really crazy and silly around it right well your executive producers uh on on the show were, were uh, nancy and steve carell how involved were they in like the actual you know week-to-week -week process of the show yes yeah, so steve and nancy carell directed the um they wrote and directed the pilot of the show and then pretty much for the um three years i did it they were uh they were really really involved and in, you know kind of ensuring that this particular crazy tone that the show had that we were doing that each week and it was it was a lot of fun 
All right. Well, you know, you've worked with the Broken Lizard troupe on the films uh, The Baby Makers and Super Troopers 2. They are really, really funny people. We've had some of them on the show. Uh, was it tough to keep it together on their sets? <laughs> my, my favorite part about working with the Super Troopers guys is they've been friends since, I mean, they all went to college together. Yep. And so when we made Super Troopers 2, it was essentially like a sequel that they were making the Super Troopers, except it was 14 years later. So, you know, everyone was just excited to be hanging out um, on set, working together. It was a, a good hang. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let me hit you with this question. Before you got into comedy, what other options were you considering way back? You know, it's every, uh, I think anyone who works in, in entertainment, has had some uh, crazy jobs. I was uh, I was selling computer software to gynecologists oh. uh, for about a year and a half when I when I got out of school, and that was just a sales job um, going into to different OBGYNs offices and trying to get them to, to do electronic medical records and waiting tables and just doing kind of odd jobs and, and working around that. So I, everything you do kind of ends up coming back and helping you out later on. All right, all right. Hopefully he took notes when you said that. Uh, well, in the past, you've worked as, as a stand-up, and also you're a screenwriter of comedies. So my question is, do you get more of a rush writing or performing the perfect joke? Because, I mean, I continue to strive for mediocre jokes on this show because, you know, you give people top-shelf funny stuff, and then they have, uh, like, unrealistic expectations for the future. But I don't, I can't, uh, probably not your model. <laughs> Right, so you just want to set the bar really low yes. and maintain the standard there. And then if you do get a good one, it's just a surprise, right? That's the, that's the key to comedy. Absolutely. Excuse me, Spud. Yeah, oh, I would like to interject here. Remember, I'm allowed to voice my opinion in the interviews as long as I don't butt in and question the guests, right? So, well, but yeah, I don't that, listen, that was covered again at our staff meeting last week. Yeah, anyway, okay, okay, anyway, yeah, yeah. I know that you're proud. Uh, you, uh, you're proud to be a non-achiever. But in regards to providing humor on this show, I feel I more than make up for your muted attempts to bring levity because, you know, I'm pretty darn funny. Did you know really? I, I have almost 12 minutes now of material for my open mic comedy nights? Um, Hayes, I need a brief moment. No, I'm not interested. And for the record, you are not qualified to determine what is funny and what is not. Well, I mean, I may not bring top shelf funny stuff to this program, but why bother with your presence on the show? You are all like a walking funeral, a total comedy killer. Oh, he's right, Gerald. Hey. Humor is not your strongest talent. Well, let me tell you, my wife feels that I am hilarious. And the guys at my other place of employment, South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. South Seattle, South Seattle, South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. They call me Mr. Comedy. Uh, no more store plugs. You got that? I, I got to get back to Hayes, okay? Hey, sorry about that, man, but I'm returned. I've returned. For you, what, how, what is it? Writing or performing, like, a great joke? What gives you a bigger rush? I love, uh, I think it's really fun when you when you go into a, a comedy club and, and, you know, you're a little bit nervous, you're scared, you don't know what the crowd's going to be like, and you get into your stories and your routines and, you kind of just figure it, figure that they're with you and they go on a ride with you. So it's fun performing a lot. 
right, all right. Well, let, let me close with this. Uh, in college, you were a record-setting quarterback, okay? Everybody needs to know that. D did you feel bad for acti uh, actor uh, Robbie, I think it's Amel or whatever, um, for all that, you know, everybody knows who I'm going to be talking about, for all that crap he took for looking so lame, throwing a football in the movie The Duff, or did you experience a bit of that schadenfreude thingy, you, you, you know, because he, he was crucified. Oh, man, that's really funny you mentioned that. I remember seeing clips of that guy throwing a football, yes. and I think... What really happened was he was short-arming it because the cameras were really close to him when he was shooting the movie, and they ended up using those takes when he was kind of duck-winging it <laughs> instead of the the ones farther off where he was really throwing. So I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't fault the guy for that. You know, he's just trying to pe keep people safe on set. You didn't go up for that role, though, right? No, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I know that do-over. Uh, uh... Uh, clip that he did to post uh, I don't know it was it was it kind of brought a tear to my eye that he had to go that far but anyway all right uh, let me remind everyone that your new series Mr. Mom is now streaming on Vudu. Uh, people need to check it out and uh, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on our show appreciate it thanks for having me man this, there you have it Mr. Hayes MacArthur Hey, uh, can, uh, someone tell me, like, all the stuff, a complete list a best man is supposed to handle? Because that's going to play into my decision whether I accept this thing or not. You know, Spud, I'm surprised to learn that you've never been a best man before. Yeah. I myself have been one, I don't know, 10, maybe 15 times. I have so many friends no and family members who've asked me to serve in this capacity. Yeah, I guess I'm highly thought of by others. Uh, it's all fake news. Spud, I didn't know you don't have any experience being a best man. Well, well that's, that's so far. Uh, yeah. As old as you are, that's really surprising to me. So no one has ever asked you to do this before? Uh, well, you know, my circle of friends is, is rather small too, okay? i am be honest here. Uh, and, and as I, I've said, my Aunt Dorothy is my only real family member still around. I, I don't True. count my sister, who is still hanging out in Belize somewhere with that loser boyfriend of hers. You know, I, I haven't heard from her in years. You know, I've never asked you if you have a best friend before. Wow. You know, that, that's kind that's, of personal. Well, I don't it's think kind I would have sad. responded anyway. I, I guess you and Chance do have something in common. I can understand him having no friends yet, as, you know, he's still young. But one would assume you would have a large network of at least close associates. Oh, you ain't got the answers. You ain't got the answers. Spud has always been a loner, going way back to his preschool days. Huh. He just has difficulty bonding with other well, people. I can bond, Aunt Dorothy. I, no. It's other people that have issues bonding with me. That's on them. Fine. Okay, with this new information coming forward, I think I should rethink my decision here. It would be smart to reopen the pool of candidates to be my best mate. Chance, don't offend Spud by taking back your invitation. That would be rude. Y well, yeah, but but if you do feel uncomfortable having Spud serve in this capacity, just know that I, being very experienced in this role, could immediately, on short notice, step in and be a great best man. I I'm just saying. Shut up. 
Uh, dude, don't try to block me here, all right? Well, Chance, I, I think I do want to do this, but but I'll have to ask, you know, around just a little bit more to figure out what I, what I have to do, you know, but, but count me in. Oh, that would be nice, bud. Yeah. If I do allow you to do this, what guarantee do I have that you're up to it? I mean, I plan on getting married once, so I want to do this the right way. That's ridiculous. Okay, you know, okay. Well, the, the first thing I will do is Google how to be a best man, all right? That makes, that seems logical. It, it can't be that difficult. I can do this, uh, but let me ask you this. Do I, do I have to wear a suit or, or can I wear what I want? Because, you know, buttoned up shirts with ties irritate my Adam's apple. So could, could I just like, I don't know, like wear a turtleneck with a clean pair of jeans? Uh, you know, my one pair of slacks have cuffs. And I, I just was told, I, I guess they're out of style now. Yes. The males in my wedding party will be wearing suits, and that would be you and me. Dorothy's oh. friend Phyllis will be wearing a matching dress that my future wife picked out for the two of them. And that's it. There'll be the four of us and the judge handling our civil ceremony. Well, am I responsible? I guess I am, man. Like, for the, the bachelor party... Like, like Diedrich uh, was discussing, you know, I've been to a bunch of them, you know, I, I, know, I know I can handle it with my eyes closed, but let me, let me ask you this, do you prefer strip clubs that serve food too, you know, like buffets, uh, or ones that just don't mess around with food and that kind of stuff? I have no interest in going to a strip club. They're very cliche for these occasions, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> You know, maybe, but they became cliches because so many guys have their bachelor parties there. I, I know my aunt is going to be going to some place where they're male dancers, right? Well, I, I don't know for sure, but Phyllis did mention something about hiring a fellow who used to be a Chippendale dancer many years ago. Courtney? Chloe? He's probably past his prime as his rates were very reasonable. Uh, Spud, you're also going to have to toast Chance at the rehearsal dinner, uh, probably with a nice sparkling cider or something like that. Uh, you're going to need to come up with an emotionally moving speech. You know, I could help you with one if you wish, as I am a gifted writer. I'm a very stable genius. Uh, no, I can come up with my own freaking toast. Chance, um, let me ask you... Uh, what booze are you serving at your rehearsal dinner? Hopefully, you, you know, you're going to spring for top shelf stuff and, and not go with cheap crap, right? Well, hey, I bought a half gallon of vodka from Costco. That should totally take care of the alcohol issue as there will only be the four of us. I drank beer with my friends. I liked beer. I still like beer. You mean your own parents won't be coming to even your rehearsal dinner, Chance? Seriously? Well, it was a cost-cutting decision. And when we get back from our honeymoon, of course, we'll celebrate our marriage with his parents as Chance wants to stay at their house for the first few weeks. Yeah. Then mm. we can settle down at my place. Well, I just think it'll allow my parents and I time to gradually adjust to this major change in our lifestyle. You know, I've slept in my bedroom my whole life. I gotta admit the truth, it turned me on. This is a pretty radical change for all of us. All right, okay. As far as the best man deal, don't worry, I got this. It can't be that difficult. All right, now, but let me close the show right now. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. 
All right, uh, we will leave everyone with this gem by a band that appeared on our old, you know, TV show back in the day. They might be giants. Here is Particle Man. Later. Particle Man, Particle Man, doing the things a particle can. What's he like? It's not important. Particle Man, is he a dot or is he a speck? When he's underwater, does he get wet or does the water get him instead? Nobody knows. Particle Man. Triangle Man, Triangle Man, Triangle Man hates Particle Man. They have a fight. Triangle wins. Triangle Man. of the entire universe man usually kind to smaller man universe man he's got a watch with a minute hand millennium hand energy on hand and when they meet it's a happy land powerful man universe man the spud goodman show is written and directed by spud goodman executive producer laurie madsen Produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions. Engineered by Trevor Jastad and recorded at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Associate producer, TJ Pike. Video director, Wyatt Young. Production assistants, Brian Martin and Chance Morrison. Original music by Mike Spots and Tom Harmon. On-air talent, Rob McGee, David Deere, Pam McGee, and Tom Nolan. Copyright 2019, Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking.